0: Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. And I'm um, actually wrapping up a series that we've been doing as we've been spending time in the book of Peter. And I'm wrapping up uh, today looking at the start of 2 Peter and I'm going to wrap up that whole series as we head uh, into uh, a new season here uh, with church. And as I wrap it up today, I was thinking Uh, Through the week, Uh, you know, there's so many uh, Saint Peter jokes about meeting Saint Peter at at the. Anyone ever heard those Saint Peter jokes? Saint Peter meets uh, three people at the at the uh, gates of heaven, or Saint Peter meets somebody at the pearly gates and talks to them. Well, I actually read one of those this week, and I thought I got to share it because it was a funny one. Uh, It was actually a, a husband and wife, 85 years of age. They were driving a car had an accident, and they died. They passed away. Both together went to heaven together. The thing is about this couple, they were actually really healthy. And you know, the, the wife, over the last 20 years, had been feeding the husband good food, so they're really, really healthy. But then they die in a car crash, and they end up in heaven. And St. Peter meets them at the pearly gates. Disclaimer in this joke, there is nothing theological about this joke. In fact... The disclaimer would say, theologically, this is probably completely and utterly incorrect. But let me continue on with the joke without the theology that's added to this joke. These guys meet St. Peter at the pearly gates and he leads them to their house. And they arrive at their house and it's this massive, massive mansion. The doors swing open. St. Peter leads them in, takes them out the back. There's a jacuzzi. There's a spa. And the guy turns to St. Peter and he says, St. Peter... How much does this house cost me? He says, This is heaven. This is free. This is your house. You already got this house. And he's like, Oh my goodness, this is amazing. And so Peter says, It's not finished yet. Let's go out the back and see what else is there. And he leads them onto the fact that the house backs onto this golf course. And it's a beautiful golf course. It's like, and he says, Listen, this golf course every week changes to one of the beautiful golf courses that is on earth, one of the famous golf courses. So every week you get to play one of the famous golf courses from earth. The guy's like, oh my gosh, how much is membership? And he's like, hey, hey membership's free this is heaven it's free membership the guy's like oh my gosh this is amazing he's like we're not finished yet let's go and see the clubhouse so St. Peter leads him and the wife into the clubhouse they walk into the clubhouse and it's just lavish it's amazing and they come to this food and there's all the best food in the world and it's a like gourmet buffet meal every time you come to the clubhouse and the guy's like St. Peter how much is the meal and St. Peter says, you're not getting this, man. This is heaven. Of course, it's free like everything else. The guy's like, wow, that's amazing. But then he turns to St. Peter, and says, St. Peter, where, where's like the non-fat section of this, of this golf course buffet? Where's the, 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 the low cholesterol section of this buffet? And St. Peter says, this is the best part. You're in heaven right now. Whatever you eat doesn't make you fat, doesn't make your cholesterol through the roof. This guy gets angry and he starts screaming and he's angry and he's shouting. He takes his hat off, he throws it on the ground, he's stomping on his hat. And and like St. Peter's trying to calm him down. Hey, mate, calm down, calm down. The wife's trying to calm him down, calm down, calm down. You know, what's going on? What are you so angry about? He's like, turns to the wife, he says, this is your fault that I'm angry. She's like, "Why, why is it my fault? You've been feeding me those terrible, terrible, like low-fat bran muffins for the last 20 years. Listen, if I hadn't eaten those things, I would have been dead in here 10 years ago. <laughs> Again, disclaimer, that is completely unscriptural and not theological sound at all. But let's get into the theology and the Word of God. Can we do that today? Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2 through to verse 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. This is a a greeting. Can you imagine us walking into church this morning and the the host team meeting you on the door? The host team standing you saying, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus. Would anyone think that would be a bit strange? But this is Peter's greeting to the church that he's writing to. He says, as... His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these things you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Listen, Paul writes a great greeting to the church and a reminder, he's speaking to people that have fled persecution, that are living in modern day Turkey. He's speaking to these guys that have gone through a whole bunch of challenges and he writes to them a great greeting. And then he says this incredibly powerful statement. As his divine power has given us all things. Listen, I wasn't great at English at school. I'll be honest. For a number of reasons. Number one, I didn't listen a lot. Uh, Number two, I was a bit of a rat bag at school and I didn't do great in English. But even myself, who wasn't great at English, could tell you the word has means a past tense. Already happened in our life. And the word all right here, this is deep. Listen, this is deep, theologically sound doctrine. The word all means all. Deep. Deep. So he says this, that His divine power has, past tense, already been given to us, has been given to us, and through that has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It, this reminds me of what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians. Praise be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us, These same all things for our lives. Listen, we have to understand here that both the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter are showing us the reality that through the work of the cross, through the power of Jesus Christ rising again from the dead, through the imputing of power, through the Holy Spirit filling our lives, we have already been given all things that we need here in our lives. It's something we've got to grasp and something we've got to understand. Sometimes we're asking God for so much, but listen, it's already been put inside of us. It's coming alive to what is already given to us, what has already been placed in our life. Coming alive to the power of the cross, the power of the finished work of the cross that is already done for my life and already done for yours. The power of the risen Saviour, Jesus Christ. The power of the infilling of the Holy Spirit in my life and yours. His divine power that has been given to us and it has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Listen, in Christ is enough. In Christ, His power is enough. In Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's enough. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. What is the thing that we need? It is more and more knowledge of who Jesus Christ is in our life. More and more leaning into what He's already done in me. More and more leaning into the power of the gospel, the power of what Jesus Christ's finished work has done for my life and for yours, who has called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Precious promises. You know, my dad was talking to my kids recently and I didn't actually like his conversation. Uh, he was talking to my kids and actually he was talking to Dusu and he said, he said this, he said, how did you know Tim was lying when he was a teenager? And, and she's like, I don't know. How did you know Tim was lying? And this is what dad's words were. His mouth was moving. <laughs> I'm grateful for the finished work of the cross in my life. Can I have... An amen from somebody that knows. I'm grateful at 19, Jesus turned my life on its head and changed my whole way of living and whole way of life. But I may have told a fib or two when I was a kid, you know. I, I, may, I remember one, my, one day, my mother opened my cupboard and uh, she'd asked me a couple of weeks earlier when she picked me up from a party, she's like, you smell like cigarettes. Have you been smoking cigarettes? No, mother. Thou art holy and thou art would never let thou art Lips touch, thou unclean cigarettes, thou art holy in Jesus' name. I would have done something like that. But my mum opened my cupboard and I had this awesome hiding spot in my cupboard. When she opened it, the draft, sucked the packet of cigarettes and caused them to fall out of the cupboard and land on my mother's head. Of course, I was shocked. How did they get there? My friend must have done that, mother. You know, if I promised mum when I was 17 that I wasn't smoking, it wasn't a good promise. It was one of those promises that was empty. And, you know, I, I have teenagers around my world as well. Sometimes I don't ask them questions because I don't want to receive lies. You know what I mean? So you just don't even bother asking anymore. But that's not what the case of this promise is right here. Listen, he says a precious promise because it's not one of those promises that was just thrown out there. I promise you, Mom, I'm not smoking cigarettes. It was everybody around me at the party while I was witnessing them trying to lead them to Jesus Christ, Mother. Listen, it's not one of those promises. It's the promise of God. That we hold on to because it's a precious promise. It's not a lie promise, it's not a half promise, it's not a, a trying to get out of trouble promise. It's one of those promises that we can hold on to all of our life. And he says this: he says, They've been given us exceedingly great and precious promises. There is power in what Peter's showing us right here about what God speaks when He speaks for my life and He speaks for yours. If you're a believer in the house, if you have a Bible in the house, you have precious promises that were laid out for your life and for my life that we hold on to. We don't have to just, ah, are they maybe gonna come to pass? Oh, they may be good promises. They are precious promises. Listen, that we hinge our life to. When I read this Scripture, it reminds me of two things. First thing, it reminds me of a, a song that has become a life song for me. It, it's, a, it's a powerful song written by Elevation Worship. And in this song, he starts off and he says, I was walking around these walls. I thought by now they fall, but they haven't come down. He's talking about the reality that I've gone through life and I, and I thought things were going to be different, but they're not, they're, they're not outworking the way I wanted them to be. And then he gets into the chorus, your promise still stands because great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. You know, that song for me has become a life song. It has led me through some of the toughest moments of my life. Led me through some of the toughest moments of being a pastor. Led me through some of the toughest moments of being a parent. Led me through as I hold on to the promises of God. The promise still stands. Because great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. I read that scripture and it reminds me of that song. Psalm 119 verse 50 says this. Never forget your promises to me, your servant. For they are my only hope. They give me strength in all of my troubles. They refresh and revive me. The promises of God. Listen, the great promises of God don't change and shift. Our life changes and shift. Our circumstances change and shift. Our our mood changes and shifts. Our attitude changes and shifts. Our feelings definitely change and shift. But the promises of God, the precious promises that Peter writes about right here, don't shift. They continue on in our lives. I love that song and it reminds me every time I read that verse. But it also reminds me of a guy by the name of Abraham. Here is a guy that understood how to hold on to a promise. The Bible tells us when he was as good as dead, the promise came to pass in his life. And I, and I love the story of Abraham, because like me and you, he didn't always get it right, holding on to the promises of God. He was struggled through the circumstances that he faced. He struggled through the feelings that he had. He struggled through the situations that he dealt with. But in the, in the Scriptures, it tells us by faith, he acquired the promises of God. Listen, I speak to people that, that are just like Abraham in the room. We've gone through circumstances, we've gone through situations, but the great promises of God that are unchanging are here attached to our lives and attached to who we are. The promises of God, these precious promises that Peter writes about, we connect our life to those promises no matter what we're actually facing and no matter what the situations. I look at this guy, Abraham, in the book of Matthew. Matthew tells us that the book of the genealogy of Christ who was the son of David, who was the son of Abraham. The the promise of God right there for Abraham was for a son that led all the way back to Jesus, which leads to you and I. The promises of God. And listen, in the life of Abraham, there are so many lessons for you and I how to hold on to the promises of God, how to walk through life situations, how to continually hold on to those precious promises that have already been laid out for our life? How to hold on to those precious promises that God has given you and I when we don't see them, when we don't see the situations working out the way we want them to? How do we hold on to those precious, precious promises? And you know, in the book of Hebrews, we see how He did this. I love the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. Listen, if you go through the book of Hebrews, there's so much deep theology and understanding of the work of the cross and understanding of what Jesus did for us and an understanding of that for this group of Hebrew people that are turning to Christ and and finding Him in their life. But in amongst it, there's such a powerful picture of faith and a reminder that if we're anything, we're a people of faith. He shows the reality of what faith is. Listen, faith isn't just blind belief. Faith is the substance of things hoped for faith isn't blind oh god's got it no no faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things that listen we can't always see faith is the substance of things hoped for it's the evidence of the things that we don't necessarily see in the natural but in the spirit we see them and we understand there's precious promises for my life and for yours in the book of hebrews chapter 11 i'd I'd love to walk through just 10 verses because in it. I see five different pictures for our lives, how we can hold on to these promises that, that Peter writes about that are so important and precious to our life. Verse eight of Hebrews chapter 11 says this, By faith, Abraham obeyed. When he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, Abraham obeyed listen I I look at my life and and the receiving of promises like this I I look at there's been times when I felt God promised clearly to me what what future would be in ministry in in being a parent in my financial world I see the promises of God and, and I've held on to those promises and I've seen moments of time over here where I've received the promises of God I've seen my kids turn their hearts back to Christ. I've seen financial blessing come out where where I've been holding on into the promises. But it's this moment between receiving the promise and this moment over, uh, sorry, being given the promise and, and, and receiving the fulfilling of the promise that sucks. Because in this moment is an obeying God's directive to walk into the promises of God. Listen, for Abraham... It was 25 years of holding on to a promise and obeying and obeying we well, held on to a promise and obeying and obeying and obeying some of you are struggling with 25 minutes of directives from God God 25 minutes ago you said this was going to be okay and it's not just now what's what's going on God in this 25 minutes I don't think I can cope with it any longer We live in the 25 millisecond generation that turn our computer on and it's like waiting for 15 seconds for it to work. Why are you not working? Uh, I remember when JP was running Marketplace and she'd turn on a computer and she was working behind me and I hear a smack in the computer. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, the stupid thing won't turn on. I'm like, you pressed the button 18 milliseconds ago. Give it a second to turn on, girl. Take a breath. Listen, we're in that generation. This wasn't Abraham's life. 25 years of a promise. And he wasn't getting any younger. He's getting older. But he obeyed. Obedience is painful. A promise is beautiful. Obedience is painful. But obedience takes us from a given promise to a received promise. It took Abraham. Listen, Abraham was like you and I. He didn't obey all the time perfectly. The writer of Hebrews, if we look at just this, we're like, oh, Abraham got it right the whole time. No, 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 no. Just spend some time in Genesis. You understand from giving to receiving, there was some detours in obedience. So if you're walking into the room and you've detoured some obedience sometimes, listen, God's grace is sufficient for the detours. I'm not saying you should live in the detours. I'm saying, let His grace be sufficient to take you out of the detours. But it's a part of life. It's a part of this journey. Listen, the the, the greatness of the journey is coming and staying in that place of obedience. But all of us have had one. And we stop in that detour and we come back and say, God, turn me back. Turn me back. This is the beauty of the gospel. Turn me back to obedience. Turn me back to the journey. Turn me back, back to your your promise for my life. He had some moments of challenge in that. TF10 he said this, our challenge, our challenge is not to understand God, but to obey God. He gives promises, not explanations. Oh, anyone feel like they just want an explanation every now and then, God? I, I said this a couple of weeks ago and I want to reiterate it be careful of the why question. Nothing connects you back to your past more than the why question. God, why did that happen to me? God, why did that situation arise? God, why did my kid make that decision? God, why did this go on? God, why did that accident happen? God, why did God, why did we stay here in the why? We're looking for explanation, but God's trying to bring us into a place of obedience. I, I, I know we're getting to heaven and we're like, ah, now I see why. When we walk into eternal understanding, that why gets answered. Here, we're trying to stretch a finite mind around infinite concepts. And it's difficult to understand the eternal. And the question of why smashes our brains to pieces. He says this, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out. What did he do second? He obeyed and then he moved. I I love looking at this story. I love looking at the story of a guy that was asked to move and he moved. He was asked to move and he moved. Do you realise receiving promises doesn't always happen in stagnant living. It happens with movement. It happens with movement of faith. Faith causes movement around our lives. Listen, there are moments we're waiting and we'll touch on that in a second, but there's movement to our lives because it's the fight of faith there's movement to it here's a challenge when god gives us a promise and he's pointing us to our future fear happens god i see what it could be but to get there sounds scary to step over here sounds big god i see you talking about blessing in my business But I haven't even started my business yet. I see you talking about blessing in my family, but I'm still yet to give and to step out in obedience and what you're asking me to do. And there's fear. Uh, You know, I've talked about often, I've taken a bunch of kids and taught them to drive. Bunch of kids. And, And I'll be honest, I've had some that are really terrible. Really terrible. Now, some of them may be giggling in the room that are like that. I'm not pointing any fingers, but I'll talk about one that wasn't in the room. She's like, okay, I want to I learn to drive. So I'm like, all right, we're going to park in the car park and we're going to just drive around the car park. That's the place before we get on the road because she was so scared. You know, she sat and I'm like, okay, this is how you put the car in gear. This is how you take the handbrake off. That's the accelerator. That's the brake. You know, I've got a hold of the handbrake in case you really can't drive. And we were parked in the driveway, about to head up the driveway. Uh, one One of our youth leaders stopped to talk to us. I had a young man in the back of the car. We were going to drop him home after doing a little bit of driving around the driveway. And we stopped to talk to one of the youth leaders. We wound the window down and we talked to him. And I was explaining, we're about to do our first driving lesson. And this is going to be amazing. We're going to head up the driveway and we're just going to do this thing so well. He was parked a little bit to the side of us. This young girl's there. okay, let's put a handbrake off. Let's put in gear. Let's get ready to drive. I don't know what happened in her brain, but something just stopped working. And at the press of the accelerator, she just froze. Unfortunately, she froze, sort of directed a little bit at the youth leader's car that was beside us. And she starts going towards that car. I just yell out, move, boy, move. And then... Pull on the handbrake because she was like going straight at the car. He drives out of the driveway and the young kid that was in the back seat opens the back door, hails him down, says, can you drop me home? I'm not going with these guys. I'm like, take a breath. Let's just sort this thing out. It's going to be good. You're going to be fine. We're just, listen, this is like a fairly wide driveway. It's in fact difficult to go off the driveway. All you need to do is just drive up. Let's go, okay, all right, yep, we just take the handbrake off, do that again. And she just starts to go, you know, out the side here where the concrete runs up, she starts to drive up the concrete. I might just turn left. She's like, ah, ah. She's almost into the trees by the time I pull on the handbrake again. You know, scientists tell us when we're scared, we have a couple of responses. Fight, Wendy McDonald. flight. some of you that run in the room. But we also have freeze. We have freeze. This is a genuine response. Some of you here, this is your genuine response. When it's step out in faith, it's freeze. I, I, I can't make a decision. I, I, I can't do what God's asking me to do. I can't. It's freeze. It's a freeze response. We freeze our minds. We freeze the, the promises of God. And we freeze them out and we can't even remember the God's truth for our lives. When it comes to fear, when it comes to situations. When it comes to what we're walking through, we get into a place of fear. God wants to take us past fear and connect us to His promises so we can start to move in faith. What what are you holding back from in your life that the promises of God are trying to move you towards? What are you holding back from? They're stopping you from stepping out, applying for that job, sharing, sewing. Getting involved, serving in the host team. What, what is fear stopping you from doing? Maybe in the past you've been hurt. Maybe in the past you've been involved in a host team before and it didn't work out so good and I can't get out and do that or I've been, I've been involved in a creative team so I can't serve now. But what's God saying? Hey, come on, step out, move, do something. Faith causes us to move. I read a great quote during the week. It says, faith is a pertinent decision to follow By a purposeful action to possess the promises of God. To step out by faith, even when we can't see the next step. The Bible tells us that he spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, get out of the land that you know, your family's known, everyone's known, and go to the place of possession. So he went and obeyed and moved to walk towards the promise. It was a moving. If we read through the book of Genesis, we see him move to that promise that God who laid out for his life. Verse 9, By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Listen, can I give you some theological background? Many of you may know the book of Genesis, but the theological background to the writer of Hebrew statement right here of dwelling in tents was this when God promised him to go and to walk into the land of Canaan, to walk into the land of promise, he said this to him. He said, stay in tents because for 400 years, your family is going to go out of this land because I'm not finished with what I need to do in this place. For 400 years, your, your family is going to go out and then they're going to come and return. Isn't that a strange picture of promise? We don't like promises that are just to be held on for a moment. We like promises that are done, that are finished, that God's done it all and now I'm going to sit back and relax and I've got this thing sorted. Anyone like a Christian walk like that? Anyone notice the Christian walk's not like that? And it's not like that for a reason. Listen, comfort is the greatest destroyer of our lives. In ease and comfort, we're not stepping into God, holding on to His promise, staying in faith. In ease and comfort, we sit back And we just simply slide away from the purposes of God that are there for our life. If you know that, you look through church history over thousands of years when the church was through its worst moments was when it was a place of great growth and flourishing. When it came to a place of comfort, the church just went back to doing our own thing. Listen, we do that. And the strange part is, it's a nosedive and 400 years of slavery that takes us back to God, I need your promises again. God, I need them again. God, I need them again. God, I need them again. This may be just me in the room or maybe you as well. But I know I've been in places in my life when things have got easy and I just going on. It's called death by comfort. Death by comfort. We think we're going to die in our challenge. But listen. In our challenge, we become most alive because we're pressing into the promises and we're holding on for dear life. God, I'm just not letting them go every day. We're praying over them. We're believing over them. We're looking at them. We're saying, God, you've given me the blessing. God, I hold on to the bl-. In the comfort, it's like, ah, oh, well, everything's good. i got this thing. God, I don't need you anymore. I'm fine. I worked at it. Actually, I, I fixed everything myself. We can be a little bit like that in the comfort. He said, listen, dwell, stay in a place that's not so comfortable because there's going to be some more discomfort coming for you. And that dwelling at the time was a waiting. Listen, God said move, but sometimes God also says wait. Receiving a promise sometimes takes a wait. For he waited for the city which has no foundations, verse 10, whose builder and maker is God whose builder and maker is God. Why the wait? Why the wait? He makes it really clear. He waited for the right foundation. You know, in obtaining promises in my life, in holding on to the promises of God for for who He has for me, for my future, it was waiting so the right foundation For receiving could be built in me. Listen, if anyone's ever built a house before, you would know it takes time to lay foundations. It takes time to put down concrete. You don't just pour concrete and put timber on top straight away and set up a frame. Because if you do that, it's going to sink into that concrete whilst it is drying and curing and getting harder. I'm an impatient person. Pastor Steve and I have done lots of concreting together. And Pastor Steve says, You can't drive on this thing for a couple of days. And I'm like, Mm-hmm. I want to drive on it right now. I want to walk on it right now. Pastor Steve's like, listen, it needs time. Praise God for the wisdom of this man, for impatient people like myself that just want to go over the foundation before it's cured and prepared and ready. Listen, if you're in this room and you have the promises of God laid out for your life, and sometimes he says, wait, because I'm preparing something in you. I'm preparing a foundation in your life. For you impatient folks that are just like myself, I'm preparing a foundation in you as the fruits of the spirit are coming and be, being part of the foundation of your life. It says he was called to wait in that moment. Yes, he moved. Yes, there's times of stepping out in faith, but there was a waiting for the foundation to be built, for the foundation to be built. You can't rush the foundation. You can't rush it. I know you want the promise. I know you want to receive, but you can't rush the foundation. It's not a physical thing. You can't make it. I wish I could make concrete dry quicker, but it doesn't. It dries as it dries. I wish I could make my life just be, let me just do 50 courses. Let me just work it all out. Let me read the Bible 100 million times. Let me just do this. We're we'll trying to speed up. Listen, those things are great. Those things are important for foundation. But sometimes we can't rush what God's doing in us. I look across this room and many of you are like me. God's done a work in us and He's digging and He's emptying and He's building new foundations and He's taking the old ones and establishing the new ones. He's building in our lives so that He can do what He does next is build strength. By faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars in the sky in multitude, in multitude innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. She received strength to conceive, uh, see, conceive seed. She received strength. Listen building foundation is about receiving strength. Listen, we're not always strengthened at the promise. If you think this is what the scripture is saying, again go back to the book of Genesis. God comes and he says, "I promise you seed." What was Sarah's response? She laughed. She laughed. She didn't say, praise the Lord, I got this thing. Me and you together, God. She laughed. She laughed. Look at me. I can't do this. Look at my husband. This guy's old and he's past the prime of his life. What was the second thing she did? She said, you know what? i got a handmaiden that's way younger. I think she can do this. I think she can make this happen. So instead of being strengthened, she got the handmaiden and God said, no, 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 no. That's not how I want to do this miracle. So firstly, she laughed. Secondly, she did it in her own strength. Listen, receiving a promise, receiving what that is, walking into the blessing of our lives, walking into who God has got us to be is about building right foundation and becoming strong because of that foundation. If you're in this room and you've seen the promises of God and you went, how could this possibly ever happen? You're in Sarah's shoes right now. You're on your journey to strength. I've been there praying for my kids and I get a promise of God from the Word and I'm like, You know, I can't see that in the natural just now. Praying over my finances and I see God speak blessing over my finances. I can't quite see that in my bank account or in my future job. I can't see that. God, you really think you can do this? This is Sarah on her way to strength. Secondly, okay, okay, okay. I've got this. You know what? The problem is my kid and his friends. I'm going to fix this whole situation. I'm going to ban that kid from ever talking to those friends. I'm going to lock him in his room from now on. That daughter of mine, she's never leaving the premises ever unless I'm beside her because I'm fixing this situation myself. That's exactly what's going on right here. I'm bringing the handmaiden. No, 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 the financial thing, I know. That's it. I'm taking my last 500 bucks and I'm going to the greyhounds. And I'm betting on one of Tony's dogs because he's a righteous man and I'm taking it all and I'm putting it all, I'm taking it in my own hands. Anyone ever been there? Not the Greyhound story, I know, maybe. Stay with the kids story. We we'll go to that place. She received strength when a new foundation was set on her life. Listen, her, her journey to strength was through failure, embarrassment, disappointing, outworking a life, her own strength, and a stopping and a realising, God, you're my strength. God, you're my strength. Listen, I don't want to preach to people here that make you feel like you've got to be perfect because these people weren't. They were perfected when they found the perfect promise. They were perfected when they found the outworking of that in their lives. It's a powerful thing, a powerful thing. Instead of doing it in our own strength, Can't find that husband. I've been waiting. I feel like the nightclubs would be a great place to find that husband, not the house of God. I'll fix it, God. I'll fix it. Come back to the house of God. Get out of that stupid nightclub in his strength. Verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and they were short of them, embraced them and confessed them. They were strangers and pilgrims on earth. For they who say such things declare plainly and they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had the opportunity to return. Verse 16. But now they desire better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. Seeing the promises afar off, they held them. They held those promises. And let me finish and wrap up in verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Powerful words. We see them again spoken later on in the book of John. Of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. He received the promise. And then God offered him, asked him to offer it up. Listen, the the, the power of walking fully in the promises is in the ability to offer up the promise. Listen, I want to be really clear about something. God didn't take Isaac because God doesn't take our promises, but He always gives us opportunity to offer them up. He always does. He always gives us the opportunity to release them back to Him. He doesn't take my life. He gives me an opportunity to offer my life to Him. He doesn't take the blessings that have been given to us that we walk in. He doesn't take them, but He always gives us an opportunity to offer them up. He doesn't take our kids that He's given us, but He gives us an opportunity to say, God, they're Yours. I trust them. You love my children more than I love them. God, I give them back to You. He always gives us an opportunity to offer them up. Because, listen, holding on to the promises is painful. Holding them desperately with our fingers is stressful. Holding them desperately is confusing. Imagine this. Imagine Abraham after 25 years receiving Isaac. Listen, parents, I want some honesty from you in the room. Don't try and be super spiritual on me right now. Can you imagine 25 years of waiting and waiting for a child? You finally get that child. In a day and age where the the, uh, the living rate was probably a little challenged, how much would you be worried about that kid? You'd be so worried about that kid. You'd just never want him to go outside. Some of your mums would be like, don't play in the mud. You could get COVID. Like, don't walk down the road. Someone could snatch you. Like, don't, like smell that flower you could be allergic to it like imagine after 25 years of waiting but God sets him free and says will you offer him I imagine after Abraham offering up him he would never have worried about Isaac for the rest of his life God you stopped me right there you got this boy God you gave him to me you got this boy listen offering up and releasing sets us free. You receive finances and keep a poverty mindset, you will be stressed about your finances for the rest of the life, no matter how much is in your bank account. You'll be stressed. You'll be trying to hold it, trying to work it out because you're holding the poverty mindset and you can't let it go. You can't release it. God says now it's time to sow. You've been blessed. Listen, the release is now a place where, God, this thing has no hold on me any longer. I can release. We Every week we give and sow in the house of God because that area of your life can hold you and kill you and cause stress. Listen, I am so grateful for the ability to sow because it just releases me of the fear and the worry that's attached to that. When it comes to faith, love and hope, which we're, we're walking into that season now, a place of giving. Listen, it's an awesome thing. Our giving has done wonderful things. The car park we we drive into every week because of people giving, the seats we sit on, this building, the amazing thing people's giving does great stuff. But beside all of that, if we had no building, no car park, no wonderful things, no marketplace, what it does in us is powerful and profound. Listen, this year our giving is going to do more great things. Why we have a service right now? Next door, right through that wall. Our our Tamil uh, guys have a, a service in there now. When we built that auditorium, it was to seat 50, we built that. I said this to those guys, if you can fill that, we'll double the size of it. You know, at Easter, they couldn't let the kids go into that room because they had too many people. That thing is jam-packed. It's Awesome, great, exciting. But now we need to double the size of that room. You know, right now, our, our youth are sitting up in that green room. They're not sitting in seats like this. They're jam-packed with not a space left on that floor. This this year, our faith, love, hope, giving, we're going to double the size of that room for our youth there on a Sunday morning and how they can just keep interacting. And the fruit we're seeing is so powerful and profound. Awesome, awesome. We're going to do these great things with our giving through faith, love, hope. That's great. But listen, what it does in me is way more powerful than just the things it's doing in the natural. Because release... For him was releasing and saying, God, you've got this promise. I've received it, I'm walking in it, and I'll keep walking in it. As I let it go. You know our own lives are like this. Again, God doesn't take my life, but he always gives me opportunity to offer up my life. Say, God, my life is yours. It's yours. It's yours. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes as we disclose you this morning. It's yours. You don't take, Holy Spirit. You allow us to offer our own lives, and I thank you for that. I pray right now for people that may be never given their lives to Christ, that here in this day they would have a moment, an opportunity to do that, to give their lives to you, Jesus. You come and move in their hearts and move in their lives. God, you call them to yourself. You don't take but you receive as We give our lives to you. Right now in this moment, as heads are bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here and you have not given your life to Christ. Or maybe you have in the past. You got caught up, messed up, just led off the wrong direction. It's time to come back to Him. If you like that this morning, I'd love to pray with you. Right in your seat. Across this room as we Wrap up this service. you are like that. I'd love you to give me a wave. Say, yeah, Pastor Tim, I'm like that. I want to give my life back to Christ. Just give me a wave. I'll pray for you right in your seat. Don't embarrass you. Just a moment of prayer. Just an invitation. Jesus, come move in me. Quickly cross this room. Anyone like that today? Before we close here, awesome on the side. Put that hand down. Who else this morning? Who will join that one? Yeah, Pastor Tim, pray for me. Pray for me. I want to give my life back to Christ. Jesus, I pray for that one this morning. I thank you, Jesus, right now for what this moment means. It's reengaging back with your Savior. God, I pray for that life right now that you would just powerfully, powerfully touch that heart, touch that life, bring transformation, bring change, bring renewing. God, I thank you as that heart's opened to you again. You're moving healing, delivering by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Let's give that person a great hand this morning. A great hand. You know, as we close this morning, I've talked about giving and we do this every week. It's a key part of who we are. Giving, receiving. God, listen, I thank you, Jesus, for what you blessed in me and I lay it back at your feet. Freeze us. I am grateful for being freed every week as we give and we sow. You know, this morning, we're gonna give and sow. Let me just pray. Holy Spirit, we thank You for our giving. We thank You for the power of our giving. We thank You for what it does in our hearts, what it does in our lives. My God, today, I thank You. Gives us the power to release. Let go of. Not hold on to the promises, but release them again back to You. Trust You. Trust You for the blessing. Trust You for the goodness of God. We pray in Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name. And all that great said. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.